Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Privilege of having our visiting, visiting angels. Angel means messenger. And we believe that whenever God sends us leaders, it is always to pour out and impart grace to take us to the next level. And so we've had the privilege of having Dorian Ridley. He is a businessman primarily and also an elder in our church in Johannesburg, married to Belinda. And they were church planters initially, and there's so much wealth and richness spiritually and naturally that God is just pouring through. (laughs) And we are so blessed to have you. And then Pastor Sergei Solomons. Yes, for those of you who've been with us longer than 25 years, you know that Pastor Sergei was here with us uh, for about six years, about eight years ago, and he was pastoring this church, and many of us are who we are because of the impact that he has made. And so we're starting a new series today. We've got the great privilege of having them. So won't you stand as we welcome and honor them as they come forward. Thank you very much. Amen, amen. I am. Um, it is such an honor and such a privilege for Sergey and I to be with you. Um, I know Pastor Sergey needs no introduction. Uh, he's a bit of a rock star, I can tell by the way you guys have been greeting him. But you know, like in every one of those big concerts you go to, there's the there's the little band that starts. I'm that little band that's starting today. <laughs> no, it is just such a privilege and such an honor. I've been here a number of times, maybe four or five times, and I'm so grateful. Because every time I come back, I just see how God is deepening His relationship with each of you. And I see how your church is playing a more and more significant role in this city and in this nation. I want to honor Pastor Chris. I want to honor the team that put together this incredible event this weekend. I, I tell you, we have been blown away by the professionalism on every aspect from the very first time that we were communicated with three or four months ago right through till the very end. And I just want to give you all a hand for what you've pulled off in the city. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Sergey is going to be sharing the message today on the role of the church. But I want to just prime that a little bit because I believe that God is revitalizing us in our dreams, our visions, and our passions. And when Martin Luther King Jr. made that famous speech, I have a dream, he had no idea how far, how wide, and the impact that that speech would have. We all know that things got a whole lot worse before they got better. But still to this very day, we recall the impact that that speech had. Now, when he made that speech, it was in 1963, the 28th of August, in front of 20,000 people. And 20,000 is a lot of people, but it's not an enormous number of people. But yet the speech has gone out and impacted much more. This is what he said. He said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. Let freedom ring. And when this happens and when we all allow freedom ring, 
When, when we let it ring from every village, from every hamlet, from every state, from every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentile, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of that old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And so folks, I want to encourage you and I will urge you and challenge you this morning. What is the dream God has placed in your heart? Do you know that God has a plan to prosper you? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, Namibia. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. For I know the plans that I have for you, every nation Vintuk, every nation Dorado. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And I know the plans that I have for you, Chris. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Now, friends, what I've realized, and I'm sure most of us have realized this, is that sometimes we come up against these invisible barriers and we think that for some reason these barriers are real. The facts speak for themselves. And these invisible barriers, for some reason in our mind, they become these impossible, unchangeable, impenetrable laws of nature. Like gravity, you can't mess with it. You can't change it. But friends, how many of you know that in God all things are possible? A fellow African very recently, a man with the name of Kipchoge demonstrated to us how to deal with an invisible barrier. You all heard of them, I'm sure. For many, many years, many people felt that you could never run a marathon. That's 42.2 kilometers. You can never run a marathon in under two hours. And about a month ago, Mr. Kipchoge showed us that it can be done. In 1954, a Brit with the name of Roger Bannister, believed that you could run a mile, that's 1,600 meters in under four minutes. Many believe that it could not be done. There's this invisible barrier. It just cannot be done. But after a number of attempts, on the 6th of May, 1954, Roger Bannister ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. Do you know how long his record lasted? Six weeks. Because on the 21st of June, a man called John Landy, an Australian, ran the mile in three minutes, 57 seconds. But here's what's even more impressive, friends. Do you know that in the next year, after Richard Bannister broke the mile, 37 other people ran the mile in under four minutes? You see, folks, God is calling us to trust Him to break through those invisible barriers because what's going to happen when we break through them, we create a path for many others to come behind and do exactly what God has called us to do in this nation. And so, friends, I want to encourage you. As I was thinking about an example from my life to share with you, I realized something. You know what? There are incredible heroes in this church. Hilda was here in the first service. Are you here again, Hilda? Probably not. 
She's here. She's ushering. She's serving at the back there. This week, there was a bit of a controversy that Hilda caused. I don't know if you follow her on Facebook. She put out something on Facebook. Within a half an hour, there were ministers on the line to her. Say, Hilda, what's this about? She challenged something, which maybe you're not meant to challenge if you're part of the ruling party structures. She challenged why the ruling party was seeming to be in confusion with two candidates now running to be the next president of this country. And she asked some very, very uncomfortable questions. Is this tribalism? My words, not hers. Is this racism? See, I can get on a plane and I can go back home so I can say these things, right? But the thing is, Hilda started saying these things this week, and guess what? It probably wasn't the most popular thing to do. It probably, there's probably this unsaid thing, which is, we do not rock the boat when we are in this family together. But some things need to be said. And I want to honor Hilda, because Hilda said, this invisible barrier is not godly. When something is wrong, we need to speak out and call it out. And I want to encourage you, what are the passions, the visions, the dreams God has placed in your heart? Because friends, God is calling you, just like he's called Hilda to do it in a certain area, he's called you to do it in another. And so I want to call you out this morning. And I'm not going to pray like now, I prayed in the first service, but we're going to pray and commission you at the end of Pastor Sergei's word. But I just want you to reflect for a, for a minute. What is that vision, that passion? What is that dream that God has placed in your heart? Because, friends, I believe his God is calling you out and he's going to be imparting wisdom, strategies, and courage to see you released in your destiny. Pastor Sergey. Amen. Well, it's good to see you again. It's good to be in Namibia, and I greet you in the name of the Lord, Jesus, uh, from my family and our church both in Joburg and specifically the Randburg congregation that I serve. But it's so good to see so many familiar faces. You are obviously much more mature now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's been eight years. Amen. Don't I look the same? You've got to say yes. You gotta say, yeah, 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 yeah. You look the same. <laughs> Folks, we, we are starting a whole new sermon series this month, a couple of Sundays called Nation Building, the Nation Building Series, and it's really about gearing up towards the election, speaking about issues of government, and what God's Word says about that. And my role today is to give you just a bird's eye view of the role of the church in nation building. Amen? So that's what I'm going to try and do with the Lord's help this morning. So if you give me the next slide. Um, that is my family. Um, that's my wife Vivian, you remember Vivian, and then your brother is there as well, Jaden, he tells me he's a Namibian, so uh, you'll probably come back here sometime, and then, and then we've got a new son, is Alwande, uh, and, and I just tell you, yesterday when I looked at the spring box, I just said that sense, that guy is going to get kept in the spring box one day. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. And you know, I know that is that he wants to captain my household. <laughs> so, uh, so I bring you greetings from the family. They are well. They are all doing well. And they send their love and their affection towards Vintuk and Namibia in particular because uh, you are in our hearts. 
You are in our hearts. You are deep in our hearts. So you are part of us and we are part of you. Amen? So I have this privilege. You can give me the next slide. I have this privilege to talk about this uh, uh, topic of the role of the church. But before I do that, I want to lay some foundations. I, I want to create a framework that others will build upon as they go on uh, in this series. The framework that I want to start is with this, is that we know that, that God is the ultimate authority. Amen? Um, but God has delegated authority to, to people. He's delegated authority to men, to human beings, to us. In Psalms uh, uh, 24 verse 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say everything. Everything, everything in it is the Lord's. And all it's the world and all its people belong to Him. Amen. Amen. But then something happened. In Psalm 115, verse 16, the Bible says, The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given into the hands of humanity. So what God has done, everything belongs to Him. It's like somebody that owns a house, and uh, you go and you, and you lease that house. Are you with me? So you don't own the house, you just stay there. It is not your house. But you've got to take care of it and everything, the water bill, the light bill, and all those things you are responsible for. Are you with me? But the house is God's. So this planet and everything in it is God's, but God has given us stewardship responsibility over this planet. Amen? And then God gave us a mandate. He gave us two big mandates, two biblical mandates. The first one can be found in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 says, then God blessed them. And for me, that's so significant because God always starts with a blessing. He first blesses us and then he commissions us. And I believe that, is, that blessing is part of God's empowerment of us because we don't believe in ourselves. We are afraid many times, isn't it? So what God is saying, I'm going to bless you so that you know that you in my strength will accomplish whatever I tell you to do. Amen. So God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And he said, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In other words, you ought to, you ought to dominate the rest of creation and you've got you, you've to take care of them. Amen. So we've got a stewardship responsibility for this planet. And what we call that the cultural mandate. Why is it called the cultural mandate? Well, God took Adam and he put them in this garden. And what Adam was supposed to do was to take the values of the garden and take it over to the rest of the world. Are you following what I'm saying? So what was in the garden? In the garden, he had perfect fellowship with God. He was in perfect fellowship with God. And God put him in the garden to work it. God showed him how to do it. God showed him how to cultivate, how to nurture the land, how to take care of the animals. Amen? And then he said, take what you've experienced in the garden and go and take it to the rest of the earth. Now we know that something happened. A sin came into the world and that mandate was lost. But through every believer, that mandate is restored. So we've got stewardship responsibility for this planet. Amen? 
And we are to take the culture of heaven and bring it everywhere where we are. From heaven to earth. As it is in heaven, so on earth. So what you and I know is in heaven, we need to be able to express it here on earth. That is what it means to bring culture or to cultivate. So that is the cultural mandate. And then uh, the scripture says in, in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 to 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples that have the values of heaven and make them part of the family. Amen? That is just a short version of, of the rest of the scripture. So those are the two mandates that God has given us as believing people. So we come to the next slide. So here we see the order of jurisdiction, the order of authority flow. So there's an authority structure that is in place. Firstly, we know that God is ultimately in control. Amen. Secondly, we know that all authority of God has been given to Christ. That is why Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So at this very moment, there is a king on a throne. Amen? Okay. And then Jesus then gives that authority to every believer. Just say to someone next to you, I have, I have authority from Jesus. God gives you authority. And part of that authority is to express that in, in four domains. The Bible teaches us of four domains where God has given authority. So He's given authority to the family. The family has a structure. There is a husband, there is a wife, and there's children. And if there is single moms, then you are, God will give you the grace even to fulfill both roles. Amen. And there are, there are men in the, uh, if it's a lady that's a single parent, there are men in the church that you can involve in the lives of your children. And if it's a man, there are women in the church that you can allow uh, uh, influence in the lives of your children. Amen? People that you can trust, that they have the same values as you. That is why we're a family. Amen? And then there's the church. The church is a domain that has authority, has spiritual authority in the earth. And there's a structure, there's leaders, there's members that flow out to society. And what is the relationship between the church and the family? The church's role is to equip the family of how to be a family. How to parent God's way. How to be a husband. How to be a wife God's way. Amen? But the church can't make decisions for you in your family. That is your domain. Are you with me? Because it's your jurisdiction. We can't come and tell you, you must run your household like this and that. No. I must teach you and I must equip you, but you must make decisions yourself. How are you going to do it? Amen? And then in the domain of the church, you can't dictate how the church is run or try and influence it with money or whatever the case may be, like some people may want to do. Because that is not your jurisdiction. You can influence it by love and by counsel, but that's, that's as far as it goes. The leaders then must take responsibility. Amen? So tithing is one of the things there, that God says we must give a tithe to the church or to, 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 to your place, or your, 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 your barn uh, field. That is your role to God, is to give the tithe. The church's role is how they're going to be responsibly administering that tithe. 
You can't say because I don't trust the accountants in the church, so I'm going to. I see the pastors eat Kentucky on a Saturday. <laughs> so I'm going to withhold my. I, do you follow what I'm trying to say? It's not your jurisdiction. Then there's the jurisdiction and the domain of government. Government has a, has, a, has a mandate from God. And we find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, and our relationship to government. And Romans 13, verse uh, 1 to 5, which says, All authorities of God and government authorities have been placed there by God. And, and government's role, which I'm going to come to now, but we see there's a structure, there's a national structure, there is a, a, a regional structure, and there's a local structure, and maybe even some under that, there's different levels of government, governmental authority that God has put in place of people that are fulfilling that role. Amen. But now the government can't do what the family is supposed to do. Who is responsible for the education of your children? The family is responsible. Are you with me? Yes, the government can provide schools and so on, but the curriculum must be influenced by the family. Because you are responsible how you rear your family. So there's this relationship between the family and the government, and each part needs to know whose role is who. Amen? So if you see some curriculum is being proposed that is not in line with God's Word, then you've got to put up your hand and say, I'm not happy that my children are exposed to that, whatever that may be. And then there's the marketplace. The marketplace is another domain of jurisdiction and authority. And there's interplay between these domains. So the government may give legislative rules or frameworks of how economics is supposed to happen. Does that make sense? Through laws and, and, and through principles and so on government documents, but the marketplace, the government is not supposed to tell private companies how they're supposed to run their business. That's their jurisdiction. You follow what I'm trying to say? And in, in every company, there is employees and there's employers. And the employer's responsibility is to find out how can I be Christ-like in the way that I steward my people. And the vision of the company. And the employees must ask the question, how can I be Christ-like in how I serve and further the cause of my company? Amen. Give me the next slide. So each one of those domains have responsibility and roles. So for the individual, it's important to say and to know that you are saved and that you can bring others to salvation. And then walk and operate in love, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is that we are called to be people that walk in love and that express love. And then on another level, to exercise stewardship responsibility over everything that God has given me. My finances, my talents, my time. I must steward that. Amen? So, so God's not going to do that for me. I am the one that's responsible of how I'm going to steward what God's given me. So God's given me time, and He's given me talents, and He's given me abilities, and how I steward that to produce something is my responsibility. Amen. And then the family. The family is there to multiply and fill the earth and expand the culture of, of family because the family is the microcosm of society. In the family is the first place where you learn about economics. The family is the first place where you learn about division of work. 
You know, Johnny, you will wash the dishes. Pity, you will clean the room. You know what I'm talking about. There's division. There's delegation. You learn that in the home first. Before you come to society. And the home is supposed to teach you how society works or ought to work. Does that make sense? And, and, and the family is also there to look after each other because you're a family. You're supposed to take care of each other. If somebody is down, you help them up. And when you're down, they help you up. That's why our family is committed to each other. And then the church is for pursuit of truth and instruction of truth and to equip believers for discipleship. So equip you how to live your life and equip you how to express God's love in the area that you find yourself in. And then also for corporate worship and getting together to devote ourselves to God. Amen. And then the state's responsibility, according to the scriptures, is to protect and facilitate freedom for law-abiding citizens in three main areas. In other words, the state ought to produce freedom. In life, there's a right to life. Everybody has a right to life. There's liberty, freedom, to be free, to make choices that you choose. You have the freedom of choice. Amen. You don't have the freedom of consequence, but you have the freedom of choice. So if you've made a choice, you must accept the consequences. Are you with me? Whatever that may be, it may be good, it may be bad, but it's your choice. You get it? God says to us, I put before you life and death. I tell you, choose life. You see, God gives us the right to choose. So I can't force anyone to become a Christian. They must choose it. I can tell them, choose life. There's the consequence. Are you with me? Um, and, and, and also property. To protect property, the right to own property and to protect the ownership of property. And then the marketplace is there to create wealth in an ethical manner. The Bible says, I give you the ability to create wealth in Deuteronomy. I give you the ability to create wealth. We ought to be creators. That's another message all by itself. But let me just make this point. We must shift from employee mentality to creator mentality. And let me leave it at that. If you want to explore something, ask Pastor Chris. I'm flying out. <laughs> the, the second point there is to steward wealth. In other words, this is what the Bible teaches us, is that nothing is yours. That salary that you get at the end of the day is not yours. It took me a long time to get there. God is expecting me to steward what I receive. What am I going to give where? The Bible says he gives me seed and he gives me bread. Bread is what I consume. Seed is what I invest. Am I confusing somebody? Because you must have seed. You see, if you, seed is there to sow so that you can get bread again. And, and there's spiritual seed and there's natural seed. You see? So it, that's another message all by itself. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have time. Let's go on. So use wealth for good. So part of the church's role is to instruct those that are wealthy that God has given and blessed with the ability to produce wealth that they must use their wealth for good. In other words, God has given you this for a purpose. Part of it is you consume. Yes. 
But there's a part that, the, oh, that you must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to, where you say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Then the, besides tithes and all that stuff, I'm past that now. Are you with me? So you've got something and you want to put it somewhere. You want to invest in some NGO or you want to uplift somebody or you want to give it to a family. Whatever the case may be, you must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Are you following what I'm saying? And if you, you know, it's up to you how you steward that what God has given you. Don't take it all when the bonus comes. Whoa, I've got a bonus, 100% bonus. Man, I'm going to have a great holiday this year. <laughs> you follow what I'm trying to say? Take a step back and say, God, I'm going to get something in. Lord, what do you want me to do with it? Every time you do that. So how do you steward your wealth? Amen. I thought somebody was giving a clip there. You can give a clip. <laughs> okay, give me the next. Now we're starting the message. Praise Jesus. All right. Let's, let's read that. The Bible says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. Just say that, never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will accomplish this. This is the scripture I came to Namibia with. Why I knew I was on the winning team. You see, the direction of the kingdom is only one way. That's growth. If a church is shrinking or getting smaller, that's counted the kingdom. There's something wrong. Are you following what I'm trying to say to you? I'm not slating anyone. I'm just saying that. But the point that I'm making here is Jesus' throne is an everlasting throne. It will never, never change. So all I can do is come under it and agree with this principle of the government of God. Amen? It's an everlasting, everlasting kingdom. And we can already tap into that as believers. Amen. Give me the next slide. Now, just before I go on to the next scripture, it says, oh, sorry. The, 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 another, the other version says, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God will accomplish this. So I have to tap into the zeal of God to see that that happens. Amen. Amen. Psalm 89 says, The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant, and I have sworn an oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on the throne from now until eternity. Righteousness, read that with me, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. So what he's saying is, if the government of God comes to a place, what goes before is love and truth. When, we, when you as an individual and as a corporate group of people start expressing the love of God and you stand on the truth of God, it will usher in the government of God. Are you with me? And then you lay the foundation of righteousness, which is doing things right and doing right things, and justice, which is fairness. Amen. 
And may I make this statement to you. In the kingdom of God, there is no tribalism. I am not XYZ first. I am first a citizen of heaven. That's what I am first. And then God has allowed me to be part of a people group. And the reason for that is that I can reach out and see them become part of the culture of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So we need to swap our priorities. I am not a certain tribe first and then a Christian. That's why in the church I can find many tribes and they are my family. We are part of one tribe. The Bible says you are a new people. God's own people. You are God's own chosen nation. Are you with me? Redeemed from various tribes and traditions and orientations. You have become one people. So there's no choice for me. Am I going to choose my tribe or am I going to choose God's, uh, 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 God's people? God's people first. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm so sorry. Let me just go on from there. <laughs> the next verse says, Psalm 97 says, The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice. You see, folks, when God is king in a place, there's joy. When God is king of your heart, you will have joy. When he's the Lord of your life, you will have joy. Because you see, every day there's this battle of who's in charge. Is it me or is it God? Are you with me? And it says, dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In other words, before you see the throne of God established, righteousness and justice is the foundation. Amen. So let's use that few scriptures as a, as a springboard for where we're going. Give me the next row, uh, the next uh, slide. So there's a fourfold role that I want to take out of these scriptures of the purpose of a church, the role of the church in nation building. You see, there's certain names that has been given to Christ because his government is forever. Amen. In the Old Testament, a name denotes character. So what it's saying is, this is the character that the church must have to see the government of Jesus established. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say to you. Okay, what are these characters? Wonderful counselor. What is the role? It is an intercessory and revelation role. Everlasting father. Social justice and reformation role. Prince of peace reconciliatory and discipleship role. That is the character that the church must have. Are you with me? Mighty God. A prophet has a mighty God because he speaks for God. Are you with me? A prophet is not afraid to speak for God because he knows his God is mighty. Amen. Mightier than the Avengers. And the reason I say that is because there's some people that just believe in the Avengers. My goodness. <laughs> I, I know someone that will outdo them all. Thanos ain't standing a chance. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. 
So the church has a prophetic and accountability role. In other words, the church must be the prophet to the government. The church must be the prophet to society. Amen. So give me the next slide. Let's look at wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor is an intercessory and, and revelatory role. It says, if, 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 what does the Bible say in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14? If, does it say NGOs? Does it say politicians? Does it say political parties? It says, if my people in NGOs, in the church, in political parties, my people, if they call my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will, I will, I will. Can you see that that's a role of the church that we must play? So if you're in a, in a government department, one of your roles is intercession in that place. What is intercession? We spiritualize intercession of wailing, oh God, come to, oh, there is a place for that intercession. But intercession is a functional role. Intercession, intercessors does this. They represent the people to God and they represent God to the so they find out from God, God, what is your heart for this community? What is your heart for this department? What is your heart for this company? And then they take that, what God reveals to that, them, and they represent that too. And then they hear the complaints of the people. Oh, I, I need this. I have this problem. And then take that. And what do they do with that? They bring that to God. Why do they do that? Because they know God and they know the people. Are you with me? That's what makes them a counselor. But what makes them a wonderful counselor is that they hear wonderful things to express to the people. That is what makes them a wonderful counselor. The Bible says, unfailing love, walk before him. Now this, I must tell you, the principle of getting God to move anything anywhere is to love the people. You see, if you don't love people, you won't pray for them. Oh, that is the truth. And sometimes you have to pray yourself into loving people. Are you following what I'm saying? And the Bible says, dark clouds surround him. What does that mean? It means that's the revelation role. God will not reveal His things to just anybody. The Bible says it's the glory of God to hide a thing. You see, there's a plan for Namibia. There's a plan for your company, a blueprint in heaven. But it will take somebody to go find it. The Bible says it's the glory of God to hide a thing. It's the glory of a to uncover it. And God will not reveal himself to anybody. He'll only reveal himself to believers. That's why the church is so critical. Are you following what I'm saying? Man, I can stand just right there, but let's go on. So wonderful counselor, prince of peace, reconciliatory and discipleship role. 
The Bible says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Why? Because they walk in truth. Truth can stand by itself in the public square. It's not afraid of lies. As long as you stand in the truth, the truth will defend you. Amen? And when you stand in truth, you are the facilitator of peace. Because peace cannot happen without truth. So everybody says, I want peace. Well, are you ready for the truth? <laughs> are you ready for you, you understand what I'm saying? And then it says, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to God. There's this prince of peace, reconciliation. People must look at you and say, how make you so have so much peace in this time? Aren't you afraid you're going to lose your job? Aren't you afraid you're going to be out of money next month? I've got peace. The Bible says, whoever's mind is stayed on him will dwell in perfect peace. I trust him. You see, my source is not my job. My source is not my employer. My source is God. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> he will take care of me. Amen. Prince of Peace. Sons with Christ-like self-governance. God wants people that can govern themselves. You see, God will bless you with spiritual gifts, but your responsibility is to govern yourself. God's not going to do that for you. Say amen to that. Amen. It's amen or oh my. The problem that we have in society is we have poorly governed Christians. They don't govern themselves. The Bible says unto us a son is given. It says a child is born and a son is given. The difference between a child and a son is that a, a child is dependent. It's me, me, me. A son gives. A son lays his life down. So you see, it is the church's role to raise sons. Because only sons can carry God's government. A son is so committed to the will of God, they prepare to lay their lives down for others to know this father. Are you following what I'm saying? Sons are given. So the church must raise sons so that God can give them to society. Give them to politics. Give them to government. That is one of the responsibilities of the church is to raise people that can be sons that can take over uh, leadership positions in his various roles. This is what the Bible warns us in Ecclesiastes 10.16. It says, what sorrow for the land ruled by a child. What it means like it's a person that have childish mindset. A child is me, 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 me. Have you seen? Even when they have toys and another child comes, mine. <coughs> Now imagine a leader that walks, that's, that's got a, child, a childish mind, walk into a leadership position where there's a lot of resources. It's going to be like a kid in a sweet store. Whoa! Where do I start? <laughs> Are you following me? Childish mind. Are you with me? The Bible says there are three things that make the earth tremble. I'm not talking about the three, I'm going to give you one. A slave who becomes king. Now what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying somebody with a slave mindset. 
So why will a slave, somebody with the slave mindset, behave when they come into a rulership position? Whoa, I'm the boss now. Who can I kill? Where's the keys to the safe? <laughs> Are you with me? It's slave mindset. It is childish mindsets. The Bible warns us. So the church's role is to raise sons that can carry God's government and can be trusted with heavenly authority in those areas. Hugo Grotes says this. He says, a man cannot govern a nation if he cannot govern a city. He cannot govern a city if he cannot govern a family. He cannot govern a family unless he can govern himself. And he cannot govern himself unless his passions are subject to reason and God's authority. Amen. Clap for that. that is, that's a good one. Give me the next slide. Everlasting Father. I love this one. We have a Father that loves us. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says righteousness. This is now social justice and reformation role. If people are suffering, the Father's heart breaks. You know, I can tell you where the Father's heart is this Sunday. I can tell you where it is. Can I tell you? It's wherever his children are suffering. That's where he is right now at this very moment. Where the orphans are, where the broken are, his heart is there right now. If you want to find the Father's heart, go and find them and you'll find his heart. Do you follow what I'm trying to say to you? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Because the father's heart breaks for his children. Father's heart breaks for his children that are lost, that are orphaned. Righteousness, doing what is right and doing the right thing are the foundation of his throne. We've got to do right by these people. Amen. We've got to speak for the voiceless. The Bible says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Take care of them as if you are the father. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. And plead the cause of the widow. That is the role of the church. Amen. Amen. Why is he called everlasting father? Because he doesn't change. Even if you mess up, you can run back to him and his arms will be wide open to receive you back. And that is how the church must be. We must welcome back those that have been broken and lost. Not tell them what they did wrong. Not remind them of what happened. Our arms must be first wide open. Let me show you this, this video that I found that has just touched me that I wanted to show to you. If you don't mind, just show them this clip. This boy... Soon after, the 
He has a young man that was ready to kill somebody. Ready to shoot some people. Because there was a wound in his heart. And that wound was, I don't have a father. Somebody that you need to give him a hug. And isn't that what the father did with the prodigal son? When he was afar off, the Bible says. When he was a distance away, the Bible says. Filled with compassion, he ran to his son. And he didn't, he didn't shout at him. He didn't scream at him. He embraced him. And he kissed him. He restored his identity in the midst of his brokenness. That is the role of the church. To embrace the broken. And to tell them that they are loved. And to show them that they are loved. Amen. Amen. Then you will tap into the love of God. Give me the next slide. Edmund Burke says the following. He says, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. We have a choice, beloved. We can sit still and only bother about our own issues. But it will affect us down the line. It is time that every man in this church don't only take responsibility for your own children, but for the children around us that don't have a father. Because we must adopt them, maybe not physically in our house, but in our hearts. We adopt the children and speak destiny over their lives. Amen. We are to come next to the single moms that are in the church and are out of the church, and we've got to minister to their children. We've got to ask them, how can I assist you? With your children. Amen. A prophetic and accountability role. Justice are the foundation of your throne. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. That is the three branches of government. Separation of powers. We've got to keep government accountable to separate powers. So that they keep each other accountable. Amen. For all authority comes from God. We've got to remind government that all authority comes from God and that every minister is responsible to God first for what they do with their authority in that department. Not to the political party first. And I say that unashamedly. To God first. Amen. Let, me, let us stand up and come before the Lord and let us pray. We're going to pray today. And uh, because of time, I wanted us to pray for the nation, but I'm going to leave that one. I'm going to ask you to, in your own private time, and maybe as a corporate body, to pray for Namibia during this time. It's a critical time in your history. I don't know if you realize it. You've got to pray. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he steers it wherever he chooses. But we've got to ask God to steer it in his way. Amen. Doreen and I are here because we want to commission you. If you know that God has called you to a certain sphere in society, I don't want you to have any doubts about it. I want you to raise your hand because we want to commission you. We want to send you into that place. I'm not talking about church ministry. I'm talking about NGOs, businesses, government, whatever, arts, media. Just raise your hand. We're going to commission you. and We're going to send you out into that area as an agent of God. And whatever you lack, may the Lord add it to you in the name of Jesus. 
but don't walk confused anymore make your mind like a flint this is where God has called me I'm going to operate in this place in Jesus name Father you see every single person standing before you with their hand raised Lord you've called Lord you've set apart Lord continue to empower continue to anoint Lord Jesus like Joshua, every place on which they put their foot, Lord, give them that territory in Jesus' name. Because, Father, we're taking this territory not for ourselves, not even for our families or our friends, but we're taking this for you, Father. Lord, we replace our feet. Lord, let that be for your kingdom. Lord, for those called into the area of finance, Lord, I pray for wisdom and anointing. For those called into the area of science, Lord Jesus, we pray for significant breakthroughs in Jesus' name. For those called into arts and entertainment, Father, I pray that they will use that to establish godly principles and communicate them in a way that is understood by the world around us today. For those called into media, God, I pray that they'll speak the truth, that they will highlight what it is that your plans and your purposes are and communicate those effectively. Lord, to those called into education, Father, we pray that you'll mold young minds, old minds. Lord, you'll mold minds and establish and equip them with biblical and godly principles. Father, for those called into government, Lord Jesus, enough of corruption. We call an end to corruption in Jesus' name. And we pray that you will raise those up, Lord, with their hands high, with their hands on their hearts to say, Lord, show me. Let me lead the way. Let me be like the Daniel. Where they look at me, they will find nothing that is in any way corruptible because I serve something greater than myself. Father, prosperity on families. Prosperity on the church, Lord Jesus that they might see lives transformed. Lives transformed for the kingdom. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Give God a hand. And just before you go, if there's anyone here that are not sure where God's calling you, you're confused. Just raise your hand. There's no shame in it. I don't know. I don't know where God's called me. I'm, I don't have a clear purpose. We're going to ask God to come and reveal it to you. But your responsibility is to seek. To seek Him. Amen. Can those around you just lay your hands on them? Just reach out to them. Lay your hands on them. Let's pray for them together. Fathers, we stand with our brothers and sisters. We know that you have made them for a purpose. We know that you are, have put a calling upon their lives. And we pray that they will hear the deep calling unto deep. The deep calling unto deep. Thus saith the Lord. This is what I want you to do. Lord, release destinies. Release purpose. Release mandates to your people right now. Let the angels be released that releases mandates and, and divine instructions in the name of Jesus. Let it come upon them. Let them just know this is what the Lord says I must do in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it and we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Can you feel the power of the Holy Ghost?
in this place. Let's just give God a hand of praise. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.